Welcome to Ministry Strong with Lisa Whittle, where ministry matters so much that a co-host and I have conversations to help strengthen and encourage ministry leaders to serve Jesus with integrity for the long haul. And we don't shy away from the tough issues about culture and the church. Are you ready to talk about John Chris today? Oh my gosh. I never <laughs> even thought that that would be a thing. Like, but it's a thing and we're going to do it. Okay, so um, somebody turned it off. Somebody turned it on when they just heard me say that. <laughs> I. The thing is, we are talking about should a leader who falls be given a second chance? How's that for clickbait, though? I mean, seriously. <laughs> the ultimate of clickbait. Um. I have to say, you know, in all reality, we're going to talk about pastors. We're going to talk about leaders. We're going to talk about comeback and crisis. But I, my mind did go to John Christ because here's the deal. When you've got somebody who has, who's really popular, mm-hmm. right? And they have a failure of some type in moral failure, a whatever some type of public public relations crisis right right um but it's tied to something spiritual and then they they go into rehab or or whatever they lose their platform for a time should they be allowed to come back and how should they be allowed to come back should we welcome them back should they be allowed to just go back to business as usual i will tell you this one thing about john chris so we can get this i just need to get this off my chest and then we'll go on first of all i have two things that i feel one i do feel that um i'm all about restoration and i'm all about um you know being giving people a second chance i'm very much about redemption stories mm-hmm. uh, that was my father's story that's all of our stories yep. so i believe heavily in that my problem with someone like a john christ is he came back and made jokes about something that led to his downfall exactly and hurt many other people i think things like that should be off limits so if you're going to come back, I guess my premise here is maybe maybe be allowed to come back because everybody's got to make a living eventually. But I think their length of time is important. I think um, what you do in the process, arguably he went to rehab, so he's worked on himself. All those, I can't question any of that. Mm-hmm. But what I do have public proof of is that he came back and he made jokes about things that caused his own downfall and hurt many people. I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a massive red flag. Yeah. That's a massive red flag, and it and it and it begs the question: Okay, was it long enough? The distance, the time, was there genuine, authentic repentance? Um, you know, I I tend to sometimes go down the rabbit hole. Like <laughs> I, this is bad. I probably shouldn't say like uh, cons- not conspiracy theorist, but kind of like that whole like cons- like what's going on? Like part part of me wonders like, did he hire a really good PR team? Yeah. And was this was this orchestrated this is a skeptical rabbit hole is what you're saying this is a skeptical rabbit hole was this orchestrated from day one with the thought that I gotta get back to it and so I'm gonna do A, B, C, D, and E and if I do it in the right time frame and this PR team told me exactly how to do it then I can get back into the place where I can not just regain vocation but that same level of popularity and prestige and and celebrityism that I had before. It's a sobering reality when we have to remind ourselves like it's not funny. Yeah. 
like th- like the humor is built off of reality here mm-hmm. of people's broken lives and and hurt and abuse right and then secondarily um it's also a question about the heart motivations of why do we get back in ministry is because ministry is our calling or has ministry just become simply our career wow that's a good one. And that's a good thing to ponder. Here's the thing. Somebody's mad at us right now because we're even talking about this. Somebody's mad at us that we're talking about John Christ because they love John Christ and they love to laugh. And Lisa and Joel step off of this right now. Don't you believe in restoration? Don't you believe in repentance? We've all done things. We all should be. Yes and amen. All of those things. But don't miss the bigger point of what we're talking about here. If you get in the weeds because you're so tied to somebody and you love their comedy, I would say, is this about just being in love with our entertainment? I mean, this is the thing. We have to look at this and we have to, this goes across the board for whatever we're talking about. We have to look at this from a place where we say, what are we doing to ourselves? What are we doing to the people that are in ministry? If we are saying, you know what, however you get into a mess, whatever, we're going to let you come back and, and do and say and be whatever you want, reinvent yourself, whatever. Mm-hmm. So th- I really want to talk about what does it mean to come back? Now, th- this phrase, you know, we've heard it said, it's very famous, the comeback is better than the setback, right? That is a great meme. That is a really great thing to put on our wall. But I don't think the comeback is always better than the setback. I think it can be, but I don't think it naturally or necessarily or automatically is. My biggest concern here for for pastors especially or any ministry leaders is once you have had some kind of a fall in ministry, what access should you have to holding a leadership position again? What is your thought on that? So before we go into there, can I take a step back? Yeah. In our conversation. Yeah. Um here's what I wanna what I wanna do actually. I wanna take a step back and I wanna remind for myself and for all of us that there is a vastly big difference from a person having ministry giftings to their qualifications or their character that makes it wise and or appropriate for them to use those giftings in vocational or public ministry. So are we going, so we're going theology. We're going, we're going. I got to on this one. That's right. We're going, I like it. No, I like it. We, and here's what we've done as a culture. We think John is so funny. Yeah. His gifting is so vastly hype. It makes us feel good about ourselves when we laugh and when we listen to this. That we have not only dismissed, we have made it null and void any type of expectation for the substance of the character to not just match, but to exceed gifting. And I, I, don't, I don't mean for this whole show to be about John Chris, really. But I mean, he's not a pastor, so that's an argument. I mean, he's so not a pastor, expect- but he's built his entire career on Christians and evangelicals. True. Right? Christian humor. Okay. So then are we are, we, are you saying, like, w- w- then we don't listen to him? Or are you just saying that we should... What should we expect of him, I guess, is what I'm asking. What should so we expect? That's a, good, that's a good clarifier. I think for John, as a brother in Christ, if he says he's a Christian, I, I want to expect of him true, authentic repentance... I want to see him restored to his best whole self. 
I don't want him to see him broke. I don't want him to see him, you know. How do we know if he's really repented, though? We don't. And part of the question is, is it even our jobs to figure that out? No. I hope he's got a local church and local pastors and ministry leaders and a core group of people that can hold him accountable to all of that. Um, And so, yeah, John is an example, but the example, I think, transfers to leadership, to church vocational leadership, in the sense that there are many of us that are incredibly gifted and the gifting comes first before the character development. And the temptation is to elevate them. Mm. The temptation is to go ahead and, and, and to green light them into that place. Why? Because we have something to gain. If that person is an incredibly good worship leader, but we have no clue what's going on in their character, we throw them up on stage, we know their worship is banging, like everybody loves it. Yeah. The church is going to grow, y'all. Put them on a, on a record label, the church is going to grow. Yep. And so then it becomes a production and it becomes a commodity. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, 27. This is how Paul describes it. And this is absolutely about vocational ministry. He says this. Uh, he says uh, in verse 26, I don't want to run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. And then 27, instead, I discipline my body and I bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The language and the metaphor that he's using here is a metaphor that deals with uh, training in athletics or marathons or, or box, that's what Litter said, running and boxing. I just, I don't know about you, uh, Lisa, but let's say today, in fact, I say, hey, actually, guess what? There's a triathlon. It's happening like on Friday. What yeah. do you think? Let's just go do it. Yeah, you know the answer's going to be. <laughs> Why? Why is it no? I'm it's a not idea. prepared. I'm not prepared. Come on, you look great. You can do this. Yeah. You can figure it out. Also, you've seen me in the gym. Let's, let's be real about this. <laughs> we used to be in the gym together. Come on, Joel. Let's not front. But, I mean, none of us in our right minds right, right. would decide, unless you want to die. Unless you want to die. Unless you want to die. Yeah. Right? You wouldn't do this. Right. That level of seriousness. So, I think we need to start there. There's this level of... And if I think we actually started there, the second half of this conversation would be null and void. We wouldn't even have to be doing this. Yeah. Right? Churches are full of hurting people, and pastors spend a lot of their time helping hurting people get better. But who is helping our pastoral leaders heal from their own hurts, anxieties, and struggles? When these hurts aren't healed, how do they affect their ministry? Right now, Media partnered with best-selling author and psychologist Dr. Henry Cloud to answer these questions. A Church That Heals is a free video series that Right Now Media designed to encourage church leaders in their own process of healing. Taught by Dr. Henry Cloud, a church Church That Heals explores how spiritual growth and formation can lead to healing clinical issues, relational struggles, and professional discouragement. In this series, Dr. Cloud shares how leaders who are healed can better lead churches that heal. To access this free five-session video series, visit rightnowmedia.org slash ministrystrong. That's rightnowmedia.org slash ministrystrong. Today, millions around the world are suffering as a result of violence, oppression, and extreme poverty. Sometimes this endless cycle of suffering can feel overwhelming. If you're like me, you want to bring an end to the suffering. As a follower of Jesus, you feel compelled to make a difference in our hurting world, and you want your church to be a part of the solution too. But sometimes it's hard to know exactly where to start and who to trust. That's why I'm excited to tell you about the path from our friends at World Relief. 
The Path is a community of bold, compassionate people of faith who are committed to fighting against suffering and injustice in pursuit of lasting change by partnering with World Relief through their monthly gifts to World Relief. Whether it is a crisis in Ukraine, an earthquake in Haiti, or an influx of refugee arrivals from Afghanistan, you can trust that the PATH community is already there, responding with the love of Jesus alongside you and your church. Thanks to the monthly support from the PATH community, World Relief is making a difference around the world, and you and your church can be a part of it. Join the PATH community of monthly givers by visiting worldrelief.org forward slash ministry strong. That's worldrelief.org. Org forward slash ministry strong. Be a part of the solution. Join the path at worldrelief.org forward slash ministry strong today. Yeah. But the fact is that that's not what happens. And so then the, the question is, is it possible? Now, here's what's interesting to me. In verse 27, there is no time, time qualifier. I looked in the original Greek. <laughs> There's no time qualifier. Hmm. Uh, when you look at 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, 1 Peter 5, it all talks about people um, using their giftings in vocational uh, ministry. Uh, n- there is a reference to an established reputation. And so if you lose that established reputation, how long does it take to regain it? So we have two things that are happening simultaneously. One is there is no time disqualifier, but there is no time requirement. Hmm. So now we're left in wisdom. <laughs> yeah. How do we apply wisdom oh boy. to a situation where a pastor or ministry leader has fallen, and now we've got categories of the types of sin. All sin is equal in nature, but all sin also has differences in impact. Yes, yeah. I think that's a really important distinction. So, you know, there's there's some tough ones out here. There's a person who um, is not, it's not just sexual sin, but it's a sin against children. Yeah, I mean, right. Do you then say, oh, yeah, you can be a children's pastor? No. Of course not. <laughs> right, no, I'm just thinking to myself, I, what scares me about this is the wisdom piece. Yes. I, I'm just being frank with you. It's my, an alcoholic. It's an alcoholic right. Lisa Whittle that says, that says um, you know what? I, I've drunk myself nearly to death. And I've had family members. I've drunk myself nearly to death, almost asphyxiated on my own vomit, the whole nine yards, right? Right. Um, and, and you know what? I think it's a really great idea for me to start a bar, and I'm going to live on top of the bar. Right. Like, nobody would say that's a great vocation for you. No, I know. You're an alcoholic, right? And 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 what we know about sexual sin, and it seems like this is what Paul is talking about, it's a different type of impact. It's a, it's a sin against your body, your own flesh. I mean, and what we know from uh, science, and, you know, our my counselor friend Jim Crest talks about this all the time, that, that pornography and sexual sin, the type of dopamine hits that take place as a result of this is equivalent to cocaine and heroin. Yeah, and, I, and, and, and the thing is, and, uh, you know, as I was just pondering, and then I don't want to make light, I was laughing, and, and then I thought, I don't want to make light of that anyway, because this type of, like a child abuse kind of situation, that type of thing is not ever to be left up to the discretion of giving that person wisdom to know if they have the right Exactly. To come back in. Like, they've lost their ability to have wisdom. Right. You know, in that kind of thing. So I think we can't even, we're not, we're not discussing in this show 
that type of abuse. That's a, a, a different level of what we mean here. And I think it's important for us to go ahead and clearly state that for everybody so yeah. that there's no misunderstanding or misrepresenting no, of when we talk about... That's not the kind of comeback I'm talking exactly. about. Exactly. Know? When we're talking about yeah. restoration, now now we're in a different type of category of, yeah. um, of types of situations that, that take place that are actually pretty common. It feels like, unfortunately, or at least maybe it's just more visible today. Yeah, and... Perry Noble, for instance, he's a pastor, kind of local, close into this area. I don't know him personally, and I don't know a lot about the story, but I know that he left his the large church that he was a part of, super influential. A lot of people loved him and, you know, wasn't pastoring for a while and then eventually has now started a church again. It's his church. I know the leadership asked him to leave. It had to do with alcohol. This is all documented. This is mm-hmm. all like public knowledge. So I'm not saying anything that's not public knowledge. What is the line between judging him by even discussing this about him or discerning and it, by so that it will help us know how to say yes or no to a comeback? I think one of the things that separates uh, somebody like Perry or or others in ministry settings is when they've made the transition from local ministry to global ministry. Interesting. Okay. There's an intentionality in their content creation and biblical teaching that surpasses the local church. And now it's like the aim is I'm writing books. The aim is I'm speaking at the conferences and doing doing the conference tour circuit. And here's what I mean by it. I think that the local church, those local elders, that congregation should be given the opportunity to deal with that sin, with that situation, and the trauma that comes with it without a public flashlight on that whole thing just destroy and blowing it out. They've got enough trauma. I'm not talking about wiping anything underneath the the rug or anything. I'm just saying... It's a local situation, a local church, and it needs to be addressed that way. Yeah. How it changes to where we can talk about it now is, well, there's books written. There's now uh, influence that goes beyond it with an aim. So at that level, it now becomes something that needs to be discussed at a larger level because the impact, the ministry platform was larger. Think about it this way. Uh, Peter, when Peter denies Jesus, right? He denied John. Um, where is this? Uh, Peter denies Jesus in John eighteen, uh, and in verse eighteen, it says that the location of the denial, the three time denial, was next to a charcoal fire. Mm-hmm. So the author of you know John the beloved disciple of Jesus, the author throws this detail in for a specific reason. Paul's or Peter's uh, restoration to ministry happens in John twenty one nine, happens in front of the disciples, and guess what's there. Charcoal, Charcoal fire, fire. 21.9. Yep. Exactly. This detail. What does that tell us? It tells us that the level of failure or fall was at a public level. Mm-hmm. So the the restoration matches the level of... And I'm just applying that principle to this situation for our discussion here. So this is not... And, and we're not judging him as an individual. This is a discernment about sh- how should we engage with this content? How should we consider future influence? How should we go about thinking about these types of situations that might apply closer to us? And so the goal of discernment is healthy relationships within boundaries for the betterment of the local congregation to the glory of God. Judgment 
is casting blame or casting a verdict of guilty or non-guilty upon a person, which at the end of the day, we don't have all that information to do. Only God does. And so we've got to tread lightly on that um, that judgment side, but we're called to be discerning people. Yeah. As a leader, do you ever feel like there's not enough of you to go around? Maybe you feel alone or that you're too busy helping others to tend to your own needs. Do you ever wonder who you should talk to about your life? If so, I want to tell you about Anchored Hope and the excellent counseling available to you today. Anchored Hope brings care and counseling to ministry leaders like you, as well as the people you serve. They offer convenient and confidential virtual counseling with professionally trained and theologically educated counselors. Choose a counselor based on a specific issue or contact the Anchored Hope team to ask for a recommendation based on your needs or partner with them as a ministry and utilize their services as a helpful extension of your team. As a shepherd and leader, you have to have a place you can trust for your own help and healing. To explore counselors and schedule your first session, visit anchoredhope.co. If you use code MINISTRYSTRONG at sign up, you'll get 10% off all your sessions through 2023. Again, that's anchoredhope.co. And don't forget to use code MINISTRYSTRONG when you register. Who doesn't love free resources? My friends at Women of Welcome are offering something I especially love, free Bible study resources. These studies are beautiful, simple, and can be done individually or with your small group. One of the things I love about Women of Welcome is how they connect the conversation about immigration to the broader pro-life conversation, connecting all the dots to help folks attach confidence to their compassion in the immigrant and refugee space. This makes them an especially important resource for ministry leaders. If you've never heard of Women of Welcome, I can personally give testimony to their heart for the gospel as I've gone on an immersion trip with them down to the southern border, and it was not only a beautiful experience, but one that has helped me better understand how to lead people in the immigrant and refugee conversation. Women of Welcome believes that God calls us to a deep love for the vulnerable, the marginalized, and the forgotten. They are an incredible resource because they help you understand biblical hospitality in a fresh and authentic way. You may not be able to go on an immersion trip like I did, but if you are interested in learning more, a great starting point is Women of Welcome's Christ-like Welcome Study, which you can download for free today. Spend five weeks in the Word exploring the complicated and beautiful welcome of Jesus toward His most beloved creation, human beings. To download your free copy of the Christ-like Welcome Study, visit womenofwelcome.com slash ministrystrong. That's womenofwelcome.com slash ministrystrong for your free Bible study. I guess the thing that I want to discuss here is whatever the whatever the situation is, because obviously we're not going to know every single situation. Are there comeback parameters? You know, is there a like a checklist of, okay, now they can come back. Lots of pastors that we've known. I mean, I could, I could list five right now on my on the top of my head right. that have had some kind of problem, whether it be something like they resigned because they were having some kind of, that there was a, a moral failure, a financial situation, or their church fired them because they were a jerk, whatever right, the reasons right, right. are. Emotionally, spiritually, physically. Sure, whatever. 
what are some parameters that we need to look for, do you think? Yeah, so actually, um, I'm going to source and cite um, a person named Jared C. Wilson. He's um, actually, he's a doctor now, and he's a professor at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, wrote an incredible article on this, and he gives two things uh, that we should look at. I'm going to add two more to his list. The two that he points out is one, there's visible godly grief. Mm. There's visible godly grief, Second Corinthians seven ten. It's this visible godly grief, and I'm, I'm emphasizing godly grief that leads people to repentance with the possibility of reconciliation with with um, with people. While there's always the possibility of reconciliation with God, um, the why do I talk about visible godly grief? I think, and this is where wisdom comes into play and time is incredibly important, it is possible to be caught in grief, not because of the impact of sin, but because you've been caught. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes visible godly grief, you have to be wise on your end to be able to discern that because I think sometimes people can put on. Can put on. And what they're exposing, what they're presenting is actually grief of the consequences of what has taken place. Now, what is the antidote? Is there an antidote to that? I think the only thing that you have is time. Yeah. Time plus, this is another Jim Crest saying, time plus believable behavior. Yeah. Right? Like, we need that time um, in order to assess it. And and that time is dependent. For instance, a person who's been hiding the stuff for years and years and years, it's probably going to take a long time. Yeah. The e- probably equal measure of the time that this has been going on at the bare minimum, right? Like it's going to take time for that healing to kind of take place. Here's the, here's the second one. This is how Jared talks about, I'm going to change a little bit. He, he talks about the verdict of the congregation. He's talking about the local church setting. I would say it's the witness and testimony from their people. Like on Instagram, you've got your close friends, you know, like the little green bubble and you know your yeah. close friends. When they post, it's like close stuff, you know, yeah. just just for your, you're not going to be taken out of context. So I think uh, I think in the same way, there's got to be those people that are the closest to them that can say, my testimony is yes. This person is on this path. They're, they're showing visible godly grief that um, they, have, uh, they have walked through this process of repentance. Yeah. And those indications are there. Um, the absence of those people makes this very difficult to happen. And I actually think that's a red flag. Mm. the absence of those people. Now, here are the two that I add. One is humility in the process. Uh, If you can't submit yourself to other people in this, that's a massive issue. It's a a sign of a lack of humility. The fourth one that I add is willing submission in heart posture and actions that evidence there's no strings attached. Yeah. There's a willingness by their condition of their heart and by their actions, those two things flow together, that they are not in this restoration process primarily to get something as an exchange back. Mm. There can't be any strings attached to this. Yeah. Because if there are strings attached, eventually that person that gets that thing that they were longing for, they'll blow the whole thing back up again. We can safely say that there are lots of biblical second chances. So, you know... Coming back, using our gifts. I mean, obviously, God wants us to use our gifts until we leave this earth and uh, be useful for the kingdom of God. We are going to make mistakes. I do think in the context of what we're doing, the stakes for us as we serve God are, are very high, especially when we're in a visible place of authority and when we are spiritually informing 
And when we are leading a great group of people, I mean, there is such responsibility there. And so, uh, you know, my, my thought and my my advice and my counsel here is that there there is a a good amount of time that that happens i mean time is just very important for any healing process Mm -hmm. and certainly in this way it is important in all regards um i'm i'm just i'm very cautious about someone who gets back into a position that in that position it caused great grief to a great amount of people Mm -hmm. and that position also fostered within them something that was detrimental to their soul but other people's soul and i would say if you cannot handle that space if you and the lord have not worked things out if you have not worked things out with the lord lord always wants to work things out with you but if you have not processed things and worked things out to where you can get back in a space that will not cause you to grow again in pride in um, in a place of sickness that that will that will be a place that could revisit an addiction or of some type, even an addiction to fame or or approval or whatever was feeding you to cause that problem. Yeah. Then run far from it. Yep. And you can still serve God as a greeter at your local um, store down the road yep. and still be a great servant of God and preach the gospel there in some way. And yeah. so um, that might not be everybody's opinion, but it is mine. Yeah. Uh, if you can't, if that stage has caused you that place and you can't go back there to that place because that those bright lights are going to intoxicate you again then my encouragement is to preach the gospel elsewhere. Yeah. Um, because that's one thing that you can always do, but it might not be on that same platform. Yeah, that's so good. Ministry Strong is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts, produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Artwork by Caleb Peavy and Noel Rhodes. Original music by Robert Elkins. A special thanks to my Ministry Strong team. Thank you for your dedication and hard work. Your hosts of Season 1 are Lisa Whittle and Dr. Joel Matamale. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get strong in him.